want to talk about belonging to family today. And if we belong to God's family, then there's something that should resonate inside of each and every one of us, flow out of us, something that we experience and those around us experience, and that's God's love, simply. Full stop, at the end of the day, it's his love. You know, the last, last time I spoke before um, pa- uh, Pastor John Mark was with us uh, last week, which was a great... Every, everyone in, enjoy John Mark here last week? He's a really good friend of the house. We love he and Priscilla. Um, uh, pray for my wife. She's, she's unwell at home with, they say, long COVID. We're standing against it, believing against it. So she's had some vertigo and, uh, and some fatigue this morning. But she goes, the worship was so lovely. I go, I know. I came after it, but I was watching it. It was so cool. She goes, yeah, but you weren't. She goes, you weren't sitting or standing next to John Mark and his wife Priscilla. She goes, their voices. She goes, I had the best seat in the house. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad that you enjoyed our friends. Um, I'm sure that we will have John Mark back again in the future. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13. Uh, it's not a long reading, but it is to a degree. But one that's pertinent, because I think in this season, more than any other, people are tired. Yeah. People are legitimately tired. I was sharing with Ross recently, and we shared a couple of stories. And um, as I'm going to steal your thunder, the airplane story, were they stats from Australia or the US? Uh, global. global. Let's go global. I like saying it was Australian, but anyway. So generally speaking with airlines and flights, they say that pre-COVID, yeah, they used to have about 10 unruly passengers a month. Statistics now say post-COVID, and this just shows how depleted we are, our capacity, yeah, is that they, they peaked at 500 a month and now it's come back and it's settled at a measly 300 unruly passengers a month compared to 10. People are weary. We lack capacity. We don't realise that for many of us we're living in a type of post-traumatic stress. And so it's really important for us to know God's love in this time. I'm just going to get my water, if that's okay. Gary Morgan used to say, and this ad break is brought to you by Mount Franklin. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Yeah? If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonour others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It records. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes or perfect comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. 
I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. It's, it is really, truly a brilliant passage of scripture, isn't it? And it's a passage of scripture that most believers know. It's a passage of scripture that often gets read in, let's face it, at wedding services, you know, for marriages. So many of us know this scripture. It, it's actually called the love chapter. It's called the love chapter because simply it's talking about what love is, but also what love isn't. It's talking about what love does, but also what love doesn't. Yeah? And with that sort of background and foundation, that's where I want to move from. So we're going to jump into the book and we're going to look at some of those verses. We're going to look at some of those things. And I'm hoping that we can discover together what our fathers is actually trying to say to all of us, trying to show us and teach us particularly about love. Because I think it's true to say that all of us desire to be loved. Can I have a hand if you're here and you don't want to be loved? <laughs> I tricked you. Look, there's about three. Don't worry, I'll pray for you guys later. Right. All of us desire to be loved. Like we just do. We, we, we want to be seen. Yeah? We want to be noticed. We want to know that we're of value, that we're of worth, that we belong. All of us desire to be loved. And I think when we experience that, then in turn, we can actually show that to others. We can give that to others. And we get to this chapter 13, but before we get into chapter 13, we actually have to remember chapter 12 because it's part of the First Corinthians story. And, and, and that letter, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth, and in chapter 12, it talks about spiritual gifts. Then he flows from spiritual gifts and he starts talking about love, but love in the context of spiritual gifts. Yeah, we've got to understand what Paul's trying to bring to us. So I guess from the outset, it's probably important for all of us to have an idea, an inkling of what our spiritual gifts are, the way that we're wired. Um, I, I, I appreciated that Roz talked about our friendship groups because over the last, I'll say eight weeks, it's probably ten, because we, we, we seem to have stuff in between, we've been talking about spiritual gifts. And every time someone says spiritual gifts, we had it even in our own church, even in our own groups. Oh, spiritual gifts again? I've done this before, right? If you're one of those people that had that voice, I won't tell them it's you. Don't worry, right? But the, the reality is that your spiritual gifts, far, they, they go past the walls of this, of this church. It's, it's more than that. And, and it's incredible that when you start to dig a little bit deeper, how many people don't know what they have been spiritually gifted with. It, it's not just pulpit ministry. It's the way that you're wired. You, you can't have a spiritual gift unless you're a spiritual person. So if you believe in Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you have a gift that's been given to you by God to use for those that are around you. Because your gifts and my gifts, they're not for ourselves. They're not for us. They're for everybody else. 
everybody else. That's why I get so frustrated. And I understand that people have things that compete in time and all that sort of stuff. But there's one excuse that I hate when it comes to small groups. I don't mean to offend. Hear my heart, right? Please, hear my heart. If it offends you a little bit and it gets you there, well, then it worked. But I don't want to offend you, right? I hate, I don't get anything from going to a small group. I've heard it in the three churches I've been involved with. I've heard it from people over and over. I don't get there's no, it's It's not for me. I know that stuff. How stupid can a person be <laughs> and still breathe? No offence intended. The gift is not for you. Yeah, It's not about what you get from the group. It's about what those that are in the group are about to get from you. Yeah? I don't have anything to give. No, no, you are a spiritual person, therefore you have a spiritual gift. And so there are people that will not, yeah, at this point in time, get to their next, their next step in their journey until you actually sit with them and allow your gift to flow through you for them. It's not about what you get. It's not about what I get. It's about what everybody else gets. Interruption. Um, at my home group, um, we had a new person come a couple of weeks ago and she was really nervous and she said, I'm not going to say anything. And guess what? She did. She opened up beautifully and at the end, we just explained to her that we finish in prayer and she said, I'm not going to say anything. And guess what? She led us in prayer. Amen. <laughs> cool. So... We've all been given gifts. We've all been given talents. We've all been given passion. God has given that to us all, yeah? And, and, and that's so that we can love and serve each other. I, I, I am biased. I say it all the time. I love the churches of Ballarat. My, some of my best friends are the ministers of those churches. We spend time together. We joke together. We coffee together. You know, we laugh together. We mock each other about our football teams. We do life, normal life together but you know what as much as I love them and love their church my church this church is better I, I have to be able to say that yeah Western Bulldogs I barrack for the Western Bulldogs I think we finished eighth eighth I only just got eighth it's like sneaking into heaven with the hairs on your backside burning we've only just scraped it in yeah like if you escape the fires of hell it doesn't matter how you escape them as long as you escape them okay now, not everyone's going to like the Western Bulldogs. And even though there are teams on top of the Western Bulldogs, my team is still the best. We still have the best jumper, the best coach, the best players. doesn't matter that we lost. I'm biased. I'm biased about this place. We have the best place. And this is where people experience love. I believe they experience love. We changed the name of the church because really the Mount Clear Church of Christ its 160 years were wonderful, but that doesn't capture who we are, who we've become, who we're becoming, what people experience. Family life church does. That's, that's who we are. It's, the, it's what's inside of us. And so we've got these gifts that are not for us. They're for everyone else around us. And, and we see that in chapter 12. And Paul is saying, even in chapter 12, he's saying, you know what? You should desire, earnestly desire all the gifts. In fact, you should even desire the higher gifts. 
And he goes on to say that it's okay to want the better gifts because, you know, you look at all the gifts and it's like food, you know, oh, I prefer that one, I prefer that one. That's okay, you know, right? It really is okay. It's okay to want the better gifts, as many people will put it. But then he says, I want to show you, but I want to show you the best way. I want to show you that there's a more excellent way. And then what does he do? He begins chapter 13. So he talks about all these gifts. And then he starts chapter 13 about love. I, I love that because that's the context of, of, of the whole thing, of, of where he's going and toing and froing. It's this. And so there's a couple of things that you and I, really three, but that we've got to somehow see today, and that's the absence of love. What happens if love's absent? But also the fullness of love and more so the extent of love. What happens if you and I don't have love? What happens if there's a, a void of love in our life? How would we even know that that void existed? 1 Corinthians 13.1 says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Oh, yes. Where's the drums here? Uh, which one's louder, Sam? This one? No, that's not loud. How musical was that? And he goes, if you don't have love, you're just a resounding gong. Church, we probably have to buy some new sticks. I don't know. He's <laughs> got to wreck them. But he's saying that that's, this, it's a loud sound and it resonates. And it sort of, if you hit it right, it pierces the ears. You know, if, it, if you play it too long... You can hear it far off, but it does nothing. And so Paul's saying, if you do something, anything, without love, that's, that's what you sound like, like that. You're just making a large, loud noise. You know, in fact, the very first thing he says, and I love this because I'm Pentecostal at heart, yeah? Got saved in an independent Pentecostal church. Did my apprenticeship there. Then I did 11 years at, a, at an AOG, ACC church. I'm still a Pentecostal. I may be in a church of Christ, but that's all right. We're fixing up its ways. Yeah? But the point is, I, I love the gifts. I love all, all of that. And I love speaking in tongues. I love it. And I think it's a gift that everyone should desire. In fact, I believe it's a gift that everyone can have if they want it. I also believe it's a gift that can be practiced. Like healing someone, sometimes you've got to step out in faith. Lay hands, pray on them, see if they're healed. If they're not, keep going, keep doing it. Sometimes... Because of the way that, that the enemy operates, he wants to rob us. And I know people where the Holy Spirit comes on them and they're speaking in tongues and they have no control, but I know others that have had to practice making just a, a simple noise to see if God picks it up, if he does something. You can practice the gift. You can, you can argue with me later about all of that if you like. But here we have right, Paul and he speaks to the church and the first thing he says is, if I speak in tongues of angels and of men. That's because the early church was actually saying that this is the greatest gift. This is the best gift. Actually, in fact, this gift is so good, it actually tells you if you're baptised in the Holy Spirit. Really? Man, I reckon I could probably name missionaries that have given their life, lost their life for Jesus and never spoken tongues. Are we suggesting that they weren't baptised in the Holy Spirit because they didn't have that one particular gift? 
come on, wake up, smell the coffee, you know. And so he's, he's picking on it on purpose because everybody wanted it then. Everybody wanted that gift. And Paul says, listen, you can have that. That can happen for you. you know? but, but even that, even if you could do that, if you haven't got the motivation of love, yeah, if, you, if you don't do everything you do with and in love, if you don't do everything with the motivation of loving people, then no matter what you do, it's for nothing. Even that, speaking in tongues, is for nothing. And then he goes on in verse 2, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, now he puts it even different. He puts it different. I am nothing. <laughs> Man, come on, dude. What do you mean oh, I am nothing? I'm just discovering my identity as a child of God. I am nothing. In other words, if you're right and you want to make sure everybody knows you're right, and you do that without love, that's not loving. That's just not loving. Then all of the right things that you and I know and have said and the right things that we've done is for nothing. Because all we've done is divide. Yeah? All we've done is push people away. And Paul is writing to the church and he says, you must be loving. You must be loving. You must be loving. There's a more excellent way. There's a higher way. He even says, you know, if you're full of faith, so if you're watching at home, you know, we here, we might be religious, we might be committed, we might be devoted, and, and maybe we read our Bible every day, and maybe you pray every day, and, and you try to live the right way, but then you turn your eyes to others in judgment. Or, or, or we shame them because they haven't done something quite right. We guilt people because they've made a mistake. If that's what we send out because we're right, they're wrong, we're committed, they're not, then we haven't given the love that they actually need. You know, they were hurting. You know, in fact, we're hurting the cause that we say we believe in. And Paul says, if that's how I am, then I am nothing. I mean, they're strong words. I love the memorial service with Elliot. For those that were here or watch it, I don't know if you'll, you'll get a, a, a proper picture, but there was such an eclectic group of people. And he had created what they call a tribe. We call this place family. No different, yeah. And something that Grace continually said to me, and even on Friday said to me, because I said, Amaz amazing what he did, because he somehow, over a period of two or three years decided that he would just love on everyone no matter where they were at. And these people, like all walks and sizes, dressed differently, yeah, piercings in different places, different coloured hair and clothes, and, 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 and that was the, you know, normal, I can't use the word normal, that would be offensive, but, you know, they were just so different, yet they genuinely loved him and wept as they shared in his life. Because he did something that God wants us to do, and that's to love people. And he was inclusive of everyone. Oh, 
Just because we're inclusive, just because we love people, doesn't mean that we have to agree with them. The church has made it that we have to agree with everyone, that they have to come alongside and understand how God wants them to live now. But that's not how God works. What God does is he comes into our life when we let him, and then he works from the inside out, not the outside in. The church should never be get your life right and then come. It should be just come. Let Jesus do a work inside of you. Because then the desires that we had once upon a time, they won't be there. The struggles that we have will slowly be overcome as he does a work in us. For those that are around us, amen. You know, as a believer, we've got to display God's love. Man, Elliot displayed God's love. He so, he so displayed God's love. I know some of his walk because of his mother, because of grace. I know some of his struggles, some of his struggles with grace. But I know this, you cannot show the love of God unless you've experienced the love of God. And just because you're full of doubt doesn't mean that you've not experienced the love of God, nor that you are now operating in it. Because what I saw and heard was a man that operated in the love of God. Totally. And they loved him for it. And geez, we had a good conversation in the end. We even danced to Billie Jean on the stage. I think I did half a little butt twerk. Like I know I've just offended a thousand listeners for sure. But you know what? They were just real. And he accepted them exactly as they are. And for those of us that are here in this room, those that are watching at home, I love the fact that this house has grown and grown and grown and grown, not numerically, but in the understanding that we've got to love people. And to love people doesn't mean that we have to agree. Because how do we love each other even when we disagree? Yeah. And then Paul says, even if I give my whole life away, verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, some verses go, give my body up to be burned. A sicko. <laughs> like, I, I can relate to giving my body up to hardship. I think I can relate to that. But I, can, I give my body up to be burned. That's sacrificed. That's what he's saying that I may boast, but do not have love. Again, I gain nothing. Even if I give my entire life away, it doesn't mean anything without love. You and I, we need to see this pattern that Paul's trying to show us over and over and over again because love is not measured just by our actions but by our motivation, yeah? You know, in, even in leading this church and fathering my children, of course I make mistakes, often, probably more often than you'd like to know. But sometimes I can be so focused on, on what needs to be done, so focused for the next task, the next thing. What is it? How, how do we do it? How do we make it work? Who's there that can make it happen? Paul's saying, you can be great and do something great. You can do all of this stuff, but don't forget the people around you because they need love. They need your love. The love that God has given to me, that he's given to us so that we can share it with those that are around us. You see, the, the symbol of our faith is that cross, yeah? That beautiful, beautiful cross. But now, today, the display, the display of our faith is how we love. Because you and I aren't going to have our hands and feet nailed to that. So that's not going to display love. But how we love is how we display it today. We've seen the symbol of the cross. 
My son's got it on an earring. Some people have got it around a necklace. Some wear it on their T-shirts. They have bookmarks, stickers on their car. Don't ever put it on your car. No one is free from road rage. Don't do it. Don't do it. Maybe that's just for me. <laughs> You've seen the symbol of the cross. And it's the symbol of our faith because Jesus died on that cross. But the display of our faith, this is, this is actually how people know about our faith. You know, how do people know that you believe what you say you believe? It's by the display of our faith. That, it's how we love. So if the absence of love is harmful, detrimental even, to the cause of Jesus, then Paul says there's a fullness of love. And we've got to understand this fullness of love because... It helps us to understand the fullness of what Jesus brings to us in loving us. Verses 4 to 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. It is not proud. Does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. It does not delight in evil. Rejoices with the truth. Always protects. Always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. This is the fullness of love. Look, you cannot explain love more beautifully than these scriptures right now. This is the fullness of love. And my prayer is that whenever someone walks through the doors here, whenever they meet one of us, they experience some of this. This is what they get from us. Yeah, Regardless of what they look like, smell like, talk like, it doesn't matter whether it's in the house, outside of the house, in a cafe, it doesn't, that they would get something of this from us. And I think that when you know you belong to God's family, when you're comfortable in the house that you belong to, I believe this is what we start to exude. I believe this is what we begin to experience. I believe this is just what overflows naturally. In fact, let's do a, let's do a little bit of a, an exercise, so to speak, together, because this will help us get down to the heart of what it is to be a follower of Jesus, really. And... and, and Look, it's, it's, just, it's an easy test. So according to Scripture, right? God, God says that love's patient. God says that love is kind. He says that, that all these great things about love. But what I want us to do is I, I actually want us just for a moment to replace that word love with our name. Very simply. Maybe you've done it in Sunday school. Yeah, maybe we need to do it again because if we can do this legitimately, it's the beginning of taking... You know, self-examining ourselves. It shows you and I if we're actually being the love that God has called us to be. So is verse 4, four is up there, great, that'll do. Just go with it, Vic. But imagine, put your own name there. So for me, it's Andrew is patient. Andrew is kind. Samuel's saying, oh, patient. There are times at home. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe you're the same. Yeah. Andrew does not envy. Andrew does not boast. If you had a Ferrari, there could be some envy. Anyway... Andrew is not proud. Andrew does not dishonor others. Put you, just go through that. Go through the verses. Verse 5, verse 6. Andrew does not delight in evil, but Andrew rejoices with the truth. Andrew always protects. Andrew always trusts. Andrew always hopes. Andrew always perseveres. Just sit with that for a moment. Even close your eyes with some of those words and thoughts and just ask yourself, actually, is that me? Am I living that? Because it causes me to reassess some of my own life. It does. You know, this is the person that I'm supposed to be in family, in family at home and in family here. When I know where I belong, people will know it too because that stuff will flow out from me. 
They'll know that I'm a part of Father's family. And you think about it, if, you're, if you have no patience, I guarantee you that there's not going to be a lot of kindness either <laughs> when you've got no patience. This is a really good heart check. This is a good way to check where God's calling us to be. You know, he's calling us to be patient and loving amongst other things. And, and, and in fact, let's do one more. Instead of your name, what about your title? Who you are? You could be a husband, could be a wife, could be a truck driver. Yeah? Could be a support worker. Could be a school teacher. Could be a footballer. Could be an accountant. Could be a missionary. Could be work, you could work in administration. Is this what we're leaving out? So think about it. As a husband, is patient. You know? As a truck driver, I'm kind. As a wife, I don't boast. As a, you know, as a teacher, I don't envy. As a, as a surgeon, I'm not proud. I don't know what your title is, but maybe put your title there. And, and then use that. Look at that. Is that how we're living out? Because as Christians, this is our calling. You know, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he's saying, listen, you've got these wonderful gifts. You've got these talents. Praise God. But you have to be loving because that's the higher calling. That's the fullness of love in, at work. And, and so we read these, these passages of Scripture that love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy. But you know what we're really doing? What we really should be doing is we should be taking the Bible and holding it up like a mirror. That's why we put our name in there. That's why we put our title there. Because when we read the Bible, we, we hold it up as a mirror to see if we're looking like followers of Jesus. Do I look like Jesus? Did the, did the people that I encountered today, did they see Jesus? When I freaked out because the guy cut me off at the road and I wound down the window, or most of us have got electric windows now, and I just waved with my left hand and gave him a royal salute with my other hand, did he see Jesus? Because none of us have those moments. Someone almost smashes your car and you can't help but yell out, You idiot! Did he hear Jesus? We all have moments, I understand. <laughs> this is how we know if we're doing what God has called us to do. And as we read the Bible, we don't say, we can't skip scriptures. We, we just can't skip scriptures. We can't do it. You can't rip pages out. If there's a scripture you don't like, tell me, I can rip it out for you. Romans tells us that man's without excuse. <gasps> That's not fair if they haven't heard from someone. Psh, I won't do it to this Bible. It's the only one with large letters. It's the only one I can read and see, even with glasses. Like we can't choose and, 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 and pick the scriptures. We've got to read them for what they are. You know, what we do and what we should do is read the Bible and say, God, what, what are you actually saying to me? As I read this, what are you saying to me right now, right at this moment? And actually, as I read that, Lord, tell me, is that what I look like? You know what I love about our loving God? You know what I love about the fact that we don't live in the Old Testament, that we live in the New? You know what I love about not being an Israelite and under all those laws? Is that I live under a totally different dispensation. There is no judgment coming to me until he returns. Oh, 
I'm going to get onto my Old Testament, New Testament hobby horse because some people want to live in the old because you get a picture of God, but that's not for us. You've got to understand that we don't have to do anything for the promises of God. Our promises under Jesus are yes and amen. And so we put our names in this book to actually see, are we like you, Lord? And if we feel as though, and it's okay to sometimes think, you know what, I am missing the mark. I dropped the ball. I succumbed to that temptation. I freaked out at that person. I lost my stuff. Whatever it might be, when we're not feeling right, it's okay to stop because you know what? We sang it today. I love, I love your presence. And so we stop and we just center ourselves in his presence. And we go, you know what? Daddy, Abba, Father, man, I missed it today. I didn't do you proud today. I need your help today. I need you to help me overcome this today. I, I know you've already forgiven me, but I'm saying sorry anyway for the way I reacted today. Make me, f- forge me, cut me, prune me more into the image of your son. Why? Because I just want to be more like Jesus. You know, John 13.35, By this all men will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another, so it starts with us. Starts in the house. Yeah? From there it should flow outside. Because in Galatians six ten says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. Let me change that. Let us love all people. And then it says, for those that struggle in any church, in any place with people that are in the house, especially to those that are in the family of believers. The absence of love has to give way to the fullness of love. But to what extent? What extent? What's the extent of love? How, how far does love go? It's, it's so easy, it's so hard, because verse 9 says, For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, when perfect comes, what is in part disappears. The only way we can know the perfect love, the only way that we can know the extent of love is if we experience Jesus. Because he was perfect and he was complete. And he didn't sin and he didn't fail and he didn't fall. Yet he came perfectly for us. You and I, let's, to be honest, let's face it, even in a, in a loving church like ours, Family Life Church, where we're loving each other even in, when we disagree, even in this place we can have moments where we're impatient, slightly unloving or frustrated. Do you know why? Because all of us are imperfect. We're human. That's the word. We're human. But he teaches us how to love. When perfect comes, we're going to understand fully. And the perfect that we're waiting for is him. You know, so often we think about, you know, when I find the right person, you know, the right man, the right woman, I'll get married. I'm going to have this perfect life and this perfect marriage because we're going to perfectly love each other. And then we discover what every other married person today has discovered, that their partner is not perfect. Right? That goes two ways, just in case, man, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I knew it, I knew I was right. goes both ways. Your wife's looking at you thinking, oh, man, he's not perfect, didn't show me those colours. 
you know, when I met him. You know, when I first met Mel, when I was courting Mel, she'll tell you, we would go out, we would go for long drives, we'd go to cafes, and I would drink tea. Tea, I know, right? Blasphemy. But you know what? Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. I wanted to capture Mel. You know, she was stunning. I wanted her to be my bride. So I drank tea everywhere we went. Then we got engaged, bang. As soon as it was done, the deal was on, the date was set, we were going to be married, straight back to coffee. She tells you the story. I would go out with her and drink tea. The minute I dropped her off at home, I'd meet, meet friends, the boys back then, and we would meet up at 10, 11 o'clock. I, I'm an ethnic, I'm Italian. We'd go straight to Ligon Street because we knew everything was open. Mate, bring me out that pizza with hot salami, olives, onions and chilli, and I'll get a latte and a short black. Thank you. I've got to make up for the night. <laughs> we learn. We're imperfect people. But we can learn how to love people. We can learn how to love because it comes from Him. And He brings perfect love. You know, even in this life, if we just partially understand His love, Jesus still yet brings the fullness of love so that we can understand the extent of His love. You know, we sing a song and the scripture says that love never fails, yeah? I'm going to give you a new word for fails. Love never ends. Because if it never fails, it cannot end. Because love doesn't have a stopping point. It continues over and over and over. Somehow, Elliot, who we've lost at, a, at that age of 36, discovered what it is to love and allow that love to continue regardless of what the people looked like, spoke like, were like. It didn't matter to him. And they wept here on Friday sharing stories of how he just made a space for me. He just accepted me. I don't know if my life's ever going to be the same. How long have you known him for? Three months. Not 10 years, not 15. In fact, <laughs> in fact, let me just go to memorial service. We're up to 380 views and growing for his memorial service. And um, I'm sure this person didn't mean for it to be shared across the airwaves again, but he says this, I wish I could have been there today to celebrate this incredible man. So you've got to understand, you cannot give God's love unless, unless you know God. And I, I believe with all of my heart that Elliot had experienced and knows the love of God. I could have never known this random guy with blue hair who just sat down with my group of friends randomly at uni would have had such a profound impact on my life. Losing contact over the last few years has been one of my biggest regrets. Elliot and I always shared the desire for connection and bonds. He, the extreme introvert, and me, the extrovert, um, extrovert, and me, the introvert. Hanging out with Elliot was always an experience, and you never knew what you would get from marshmallow golf to pub crawls. See, all things, highways and byways. Yeah. Pub calls to all night gaming sessions, praise God, Elliot. To making a movie about talking jelly or just spending hours talking about anything and everything. Since hearing of his passing, I have been deeply saddened by his loss, but also that such a wonderful, genuine person is taken who could have, who could have such impact on so many people. It amazes me to see the life he led and how he managed to touch so many lives. What's the extent of love? Keep loving. What's the extent of love? 
Be inclusive. What's the extent of love? Open your arms. What's the extent of love? Agreeing. No, it's not agreeing. It's just loving. It's just accepting. Why don't we all stand? Because I'm three and a half minutes, nearly four minutes over time. And um, I do make that a, a normal thing, but I don't like it. <laughs> the extent of love is that it never fails. And John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. We decide who we call friends. And yes, boundaries are still okay. Yeah? It's not, I'm not saying that they're not. But he loved. And he just loved and accepted. And Jesus, that's what he learned from the Lord. It's what he learned from his time in church. It's what he learned from his mum, Grace. And you and I, we've got a book that teaches us. We've got a saviour that instructs us. We've got a Holy Spirit that lives within us and guides us. How much more for us? Imagine the legacy at each one of our memorial services, funerals. I said to Mel recently, I go, Mel, when I die, when that day comes, you make sure we're live streaming that. What for? Because I want the world to watch it. She's probably thinking, no one knows you. That's okay, just in case. And I said, you know what, Mel? And she goes, what? I go, I want a worship service. She goes, really? I go, absolutely. I want people to worship. And those that don't like it can hang in there and suffer in their jocks because I love Jesus. And it's my memorial service, yeah? And I love the fact that they partied at the end to celebrate his life. You know what? If you have to be, if any of you have to be one day at my memorial service when I'm 105, yeah, I'm prophesying, hoping, hoping. Yeah. Celebrate it. Celebrate my life because of the love that I've given. And, but in turn, we're going to celebrate your, your life because of the love that you've given, that unconditional love, not absent of it, embracing the fullness of it and actually living to the extent of it because that's what makes us Christians. That's what makes us Christ ones, amen? In America at the moment, I'm going to finish with this. I was going to do a song and an altar call. I don't think I need to. But in America, one of the things they're saying in America, because they've got all those big trucks, you know, utes. We call them utes. They're not small cars like a Rodeo. They're big trucks like a Navara. And um, <laughs> I love having the platform. And uh, they often have dual tanks, you know? two petrol tanks. They've got their main tank and a reserve. And people today are driving around in their life without a reserve. And when they get to the end of the tank, they have no capacity. We need to be in that space as Christ's champions, knowing the fullness of his love and when it, the time's needed yeah, to fill that reserve tank with everything that flows out of us. Is that okay? Yeah. If you want to be that person today, just with every eye closed, if you want to be that person that wants the ability to love, wants to be able to go that extra mile, I don't know what it is for you. You may already go that extra mile, so you want to know what it is. Lord, how do I actually go further again? If you just want to be able to be positioned in a place where you can love, then I want you to do this without worrying about anyone else behind you, around you, in front of you. I actually want you to raise your hand and say, Lord, that's me. And if you're courageous enough, leave your hands out as if you're going to receive something because we're going to pray together an impartation of God's Spirit. And so, Father, right now, God, I, Lord, with every eye closed, Father, with every hand risen, Lord, with every heart that you know that is yearning, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us 
to not just to our brim but to overflowing that we would understand that we would see the areas that lord that we've not it's not about meeting the mark but father where we've not quite been it where we're not patient where we might not be kind father that you might do a work in us so that we'd be more christ-like and then in that space and place now father as your children that we would be your hands and feet extended that people would experience the fullness of your love the extent of your love through each and every one of us that we may have a genuine legacy father like elliot's god we thank you for his life Lord, 36, two short years, but Father, thank you for what he's left behind. Thank you for those that are following in his footsteps. Thank you for those that will, that will keep being inclusive. Father, that will keep embracing those around them. Father, may we learn as the church family to be the same. May we learn from you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that we may learn from you, Jesus, that we truly will be, Father, Lord, your ambassadors here. So we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for your perfect, complete love. And Lord, as your people, as your children, even that song that we sang, Lord, our, 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 our praise will be our song. It will be our, our song forever upon ever upon ever until we meet you in glory. And we actually give you all the glory this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.